Hey everybody, welcome to EFP. This is December 8th, 2017, episode 6. We're going to be talking about transparency in gaming today, why it matters, how to use it, tips and tricks, and some of my ideas on organized play since I've been doing some development. So let's get into the show. Transparency. It is an odd thing in gaming. Some people think it's a requirement, some don't. But I'm going to get into kind of the breakdown on this first part of three. They're all going to be out today. Uh, community play, the do's and don'ts, and the missing the mark. So for me, I really love community play. It is a chance for me as a GM to sit down and learn the other side of the table or experience the other side of the table. While GMing is my 90%, you know, setting, I really do like playing some of the other sides. In order for that to be doable, I need things such as organized play. And that takes us in, there's tons of organized play. Pathfinders had organized play for, I think, since the second year they were around. Fifth edition now has Adventurers League. Cypher System or Numenera has their own, but it's in stores only, and, and that's something that caused me to develop the Numenera West Marches game. Um, if you haven't seen that, if you follow me on Facebook or on Google+, Plus, you've probably seen that. But organized play comes with some problems, and these are the problems that, while I was developing a version of, you know, a smaller version of organized play, what I wanted to avoid, and, and the big one was changing rules. I don't like going to play a game that I love and enjoy, and I sit down and play organized play, and they have changed the rules to make it balanced. Now, in my eyes, you're telling a story. If a character is a little more powerful than the other, there are ways to handle that. This is not a competitive play. If there are prizes involved, I get it. I get wanting to make sure that there is a balance amongst the players. But when you're all telling a narrative together, I don't understand the reason to do that. So my first thing to say to people is there's no reason to take rules out or change classes or dock them. Even if you have a personal problem with them, just play with them as they are. It's a story. You can get over those hurdles and get around them. Also, if you are running organized play, if you're a company or you're running your own version for whatever in your local town, or for myself online, which is a great way to do organized play right now, at least I believe it is, uh, you need to make sure that you have the player and the GM side in the same dock, and then offer separate versions. I say that because players sometimes want to know what the GMs are expected to do, so they know the expectations. Yeah, it's okay as a GM to hide your roles and your secrets and things like that from the players behind a screen, if that's what you do, but they need to know what to expect from you when they sit down at the table, how difficult it's going to be, what you're expected to do, because the expectations, one, makes a better game, everyone can hold each other accountable, but also so they don't walk in blind and they're in the right mindset to play those games. But the most important thing about organized play to me is learning to play with other people. So I've had the same group for many, many years now, very little changes to it. And while there is pros and cons to that, Playing with new people opens your eyes to what else is available, what else can be done, and maybe it kind of rekindles your love for your home group. Uh, it can do a lot of different things, but playing with other people can be a huge bonus. And I also find playing at cons with other people, you learn new things. If you aren't constantly striving to be a better player or a better GM in the hobby that we all love, what the fuck are you doing? Like, you should want to be better. You should want your gaming experience to be better. That's like someone who builds model cars and model ships, not trying a more difficult set, not trying to get better at what they do. Hone your craft. Make it something that you're good at. Make it something that you want a better experience with. And that's going to move us in kind of the next part here of 
how to be better at the table and how to be able to raise expectations and raise levels of gameplay without offending, upsetting, or causing tears for people, unless that's the goal. Don't get me wrong, I run a lot of horror. Sometimes people need to cry or be scared, just saying. So the next part we're going to get into one of my favorite things developed by a buddy of mine. With the rise of indie games, we have gotten a new way of storytelling, a new way of running tabletop games for our friends and family and loved ones. With that said, you're also running it with a lot of strangers at conventions, and especially with Roll20 and online play. Now with that, there's been a lot of things that have been pulled from live-action roleplay. My friend John Stravanopoulos invented something called the X-Card. And if you don't know about the X-Card, it's been featured in a lot of indie development games, but it has also been something that I have looked at uh, deeply for running conventions. And, and that's part of the reason he developed it. You can find it online if you look it up. He did a whole Google Doc write-up on it. But it, it's really simple. In the center of the table, there's a card. That card has an X on it. And you explain at the beginning of your session what that card is for. And the concept is simple. If you are playing a game and today, for some reason, you are upset uh, with something that's going on or there is a trigger or a warning or an emotional response from something happening at the table that you are uncomfortable with, all you have to do is tap the X card. No conversation, no questions asked. We will simply rewind and replay that point without that trigger involved. Now, you don't have to tell us what it is if you don't want to. The point of this is just so people know, hmm, we went too far, or this is something that's uncomfortable to you. It could have been clowns. It could have been a dark scene. It could have been something horrific. Maybe it's about drowning and they've had a family member. But you don't need to know, and that is the love of the X card. It's basically saying, sorry, guys, this is hitting an emotional point for me. Let's just rewind, replay, and then if they want to discuss it after the session, they can. For me, this is great for conventions. You have a lot of different walks of life and people who show up to play at a convention table. And if you have this on the table and you explain it up front, and I like to precursor with a little, I'm going to be running an R-rated game today. There will be some possibly flagged topics, things that can happen. If any of these do bother you, or you have something you want to share now, let us know. If not, this X card here is for you. It's for everybody. Hell, it's for me. So a lot of times you guys might drive me to a point to where I need the X card. And it's a great way to slow, stop, or change the gameplay without taking people out of the moment, without people being upset, or walking for the game going, damn, this guy was a dick, or I can't believe they spoke about that, or, you know, I wish I would have said something, I'd have had more fun if we just skipped this section. Well, this is your chance to do that. And this kind of thing is important. So... That leads me into the idea that we're getting a new generation of GMs. 5e has brought us something awesome. Indie games, the polish that we're seeing in indie games is being us in a new style of storytelling. And with that, being an old first edition Grognard Dungeons and Dragons miniatures kill, maim, kill, while I love that part, I really do love the storytelling. And, and I believe the cycle of what players wants changes from crunchy to light, from crunchy to light, from crunchy to light over and over again. And we're hitting this weird mark of light and storytelling with mechanics to support what you're doing. Things like gumshoe, cipher systems, you know, um, GM intrusions. There are things there that really help a GM tell a clever story, all the way to Fancy Flight Games, the idea of unique dice that people didn't like at first, but... 
They're amazing. The idea of multiple advantages, letting a player spend those to do something in a narrative-driven way, makes players put their skin in the game. And that is something that that is amazing. And instead of just players sitting down and going, all right, GM, what do you got for us today? And I know I've talked about that in the past. It really does do this. And transparency, the X card, the idea of telling people what they're in for at a table before you start, allows them to have the freedom to loosen up and, and come out of their shell and do more. So that I'm going to talk about, I think the next thing I'm going to talk about here is the idea of these new GMs, these things that we're getting out of 5e and polished indie games and what they've brought to the table for all of us and some tips and tricks we can pull from them. So let's move on to that part of the, the podcast. I, I want to talk about these new generation of GMs. All right, it's time for a little From the Rocking Chair, the new piece that I have added to my podcast where I literally sit in this rocking chair that I got and ponder some ideas on what could be better for the way I play games and if this could be something that is good for you. So if this section becomes a little rambly, too fucking bad. All right, the new generation of GMs. I have been watching a lot of Critical Role lately and on Project Alpha, the nerdist stuff, and looking at this generation coming out of primarily the West Coast, uh, there are a few East Coast people in there and some out of Chicago, but the idea of talking to your players before gaming and making sure you're all on the same page. Now, I've done a lot of project management over the years, and this could be in the project management of video games. This could be in the project management from running tabletop RPG stuff and, and publishing uh, to working with others and just general things. And I feel like they have taken that with maybe not even fucking knowing it and developed a way of playing games. S talking to your players and getting their expectations and making sure yours, your expectations align with theirs is huge. It's like a weird version of a marriage. So what have they done? You know, I mean, they've done something that we've seen in other hobbies and walks of life. Uh, we've seen it in sports, but they've opened up the playing field. And I've watched all the GM tips recently, and I'm re-watching some of them, which is with Matt Mercer, and then the last season, uh, Satine Phoenix took over. And I know her in passing through conventions, and I've met him when I worked in the video game industry, but I don't know them personally. And this was like a really good look into what they do. So I like it. And it seems like caring is key. They're really all about making sure you and your table give a shit about each other and what you are doing. Give a shit about telling a story together. And that's awesome. A combined story told together is more important than the single story a GM has to tell. Because let's be honest, anytime we've sat on the player side of the table as GMs or players sitting on the side of the table as players, we only tell the story of what our players did. What, what fucking amazing thing that they did that we really enjoyed that is memorable to us. Have it be at a convention with an abolith falling from the ceiling because somebody not knowing what an abolith is. Um, but no one remembers the whole story. You remember your little bits and pieces. And through everyone telling the story together, it turns into one larger, greater thing. And it seems that caring is the way of the new generation of game masters. Instead of, oh no, you're dead, and then we're going to kill you, or grindy, grindy, welcome to the Tomb of Horrors, while that exists to have a reflection back into our time, and the new version is amazing, it's not the focus of how people tell stories anymore. It's not about TPKing your fucking party. Because that happens, 
I feel that I get a better experience. And I've run games like this for a long time. I think my step into the cipher system is what caused me to be more of a storyteller to to compete in Iron GM and tell an amazing story while having mechanics to back what the fuck I say. I love that. And and I'm saying this from a place of of I guess uh having a paradigm shift and realizing maybe I'm kind of along those lines and I want more of that out of my group and I want that more for other groups. While some will say, that's not for me, I don't want story, I just want to grind and kill, cool, do that, that's your thing, but make sure all your players are on the same page as you are. So I like a good blend, you know, combat and story, and, and I know certain systems, such as Pathfinder, drive that tactical combat, while a Cypher System drives a story and narrative. Vampire the Masquerade did the same thing, and we're getting a new edition of that. And so I think we're in the age of story. I think we're in the age of telling a tale together that doesn't... It doesn't fall on rails. It is a sandbox feel. And that's why I've done this Numenera West Marches. So I really want this tale to be told together. And it combines everything as a group. And watching all this stuff has inspired me to do this. So if you want to be part of this community and you're interested, hit me up on Discord. Hit me up on Facebook or G+. Ask about it. I'll share the doc. And get your character submitted so we can start running this. I'm looking for GMs and players. Um, and talking about storytelling and ease of play... I produce this podcast for you guys, um, and this is the go in, in conjunction with my EFP Patreon, where I develop easy, audio-focused adventures that GM can study and play quickly with a plot web and map. So that's all from me today. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Have a great day, and go roll some dice and grab a beer. I'll talk to you all later. So on Instagram, I ran a Choose Your Own Adventure video series called The Last Iron. We ended on part 11. Uh, we didn't have as much audience participation as I would like. But I'm going to start it up here. And I think that this could be a great way to have an audio Choose Your Own Adventure with Collins. And if this is something you guys be interested in, leave a column below. So here was the idea behind The Last Iron story took place in Whitehall, in my world of Athantia, a place of soul-punk Victorian horror, where the monsters of myth and legend live at the outskirts of society. So, after something horrible had happened to Whitehall, uh, everyone had been shot, killed, maimed, very little survivors left. One of the dead bodies had a gun in their hand, and that was chose instead of watching their back. They picked up this gun, known as Tidebringer. And the story is actually more attached to that gun than it is the abandoned carrying it. The abandoned in my world are people who died and their souls hid within the body with nowhere to go, uh, fearful of the evil and malicious spirits outside around them. So much so that they animate the body and almost use it as a puppet. Their eyes uh, start to glow around the edge. Their pupils become larger and black until it meets that light. So you're playing an abandoned carrying this six shooter in this in this setting of mine so i'd like to bring the story back i would like to start it off um, in part 12 we were on part 11 and if you guys are interested in that let me know i will be starting that off in the next podcast so i want to give you guys a chance to go catch up and understand what we were doing and how we were playing it is in my instagram feed 
I will give a link to the start of it, and then you guys can look through it and decide what you want. But you can find me at Eric Frankhouse Presents on Instagram. If you scroll down to about a year ago, you will find wallpaper-like plot web pieces where people made choices. So go through. We're going to pick up next week. I will do a overview of the whole thing next week for you. And then we will start off The Last Iron at part 12. I don't want to do a new story. I want to continue that story to the completion. All right, everybody. Now this is the end. Go roll some dice. Get a beer. I'm going to go get dinner and do that. Have a good one.